It's a privilege for me to be here this morning, and I thank Brother Charlie for uh, putting uh, Scott and Sarah's name in uh, in your uh, worship guide and asking you to pray for them. And uh, you remember perhaps that Sarah and Scott were here last year to speak for Lottie Moon, and uh, uh, they are doing well in London, uh, getting along fine with the boys, and. Uh, uh, having a good time there and uh, just uh, pray for them especially as they go out and try to share with the Muslim people they come in contact with and just pray that the Holy Spirit would go before them and prepare the hearts of those people to receive the message of Christ and what uh, he did on the cross and how God loves us instead of just being somebody out there that you know you may connect with you or not uh, in your trying to reach out to, to the God uh, that the Muslims have. Uh, the difference, great difference in the two gods, the one we worship and the one they worship is that uh, we can actually connect with our God. He wants to have a relationship with us. And His grace and mercy is real to us each and every day. And so uh, I'm grateful for that. And uh, so we thank you for praying for Sarah and Scott. Um, Beth and I had the privilege of being missionaries from 1983 to 2003 with uh, the International Mission Board. And uh, uh, over those years, you supported us, so many of you, I'm sure, uh, through your prayers and through your giving to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. And, and we're so thankful for that and uh, thankful for uh, how Southern Baptists did support us so greatly during those years of service. And we had a, a wonderful time of serving God in Benin, West Africa, uh, for uh, about 18 years, and then our final two years were in the Ivory Coast there in West Africa. We never dreamed that we would be back here in, in uh, America in ministry. We thought we would continue on uh, in our work there until retirement, and then we might come back and find some part-time job as I have been able to do now in retirement. Uh, but I've enjoyed this Christmas season working over at Brook Ridge and trying to encourage the residents there and, and just talking about what this candle represents, the joy of Christmas, and singing the old hymns uh, of Christmas and about the words of those hymns that tell all about the, the goodness of God in sending His Son to this earth to be the Savior. And He came with that purpose. And so this morning, I want to uh, talk to you during this time uh, about the wonderful works of God. Because God works in great and mighty ways. And uh, I want us to begin this time together by looking at uh, the story of Joseph and you follow along with me as we read in God's Word, if you have your copy, or, or just, uh, you know, on, if it's on the board, I don't know if we, it will be, but uh, listen carefully as we read. Uh, 
Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man, and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She shall bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angels of the Lord commanded, and he took his wife, took his wife but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. This is a wonderful story of Joseph, and I, I, I really love this story of how God came to work in, in Joseph's mind. And, and, and you know, uh, if you think about it a little bit, uh, the experience that Joseph went through uh, as Mary came to him with this this news that she was pregnant, and you can imagine uh, how he was thinking in in his human perspective. How can this story be real? He must have said to himself. You know, this just doesn't happen in life. And so we find that Joseph was thinking very much in, in a, with a human perspective as he was trying to deal with this news from Mary and the fact that she was with child and, and that she would bear a, a child uh, in, in the coming months. And so he dealt with it uh, uh, from the perspective of the Jewish law. Because the Jewish law said that someone who was betrothed to, to a woman could put her away and should put her away and he could even make a public spectacle of her. But Joseph was not that kind of person. Joseph's heart was close to God and he wanted to please God. And we all know uh, at the same time that, that they had received the message from the angel that she as a virgin would bear a child and he would be the, the Messiah, the long-awaited Messiah that, that was expected. But here in this story, I, I think we, we find two amazing things to me. And I see the hand of God in this and, and the work of God to bring about His desire for the birth of the Messiah. Because you see, as Joseph thought about these things, God went to work. And so that night as Joseph lay down and he was, had these things on his mind and heart, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream. 
And, and you know that in this Christmas season, I had never really thought about it and, and seen it as much as I have this year. Uh, in the Gospel of Matthew, I've been trying to teach or tr preach through the first and second chapters in preparation for, for Christmas. At the the uh, in my chapel services at the homes, and, and so I've focused on Matthew, and, and it's amazing. It was amazing to me as I realized that here in these first two chapters, uh, the scripture speaks of God using dreams four different times, and it was amazing how God used those dreams to bring about His will and to reveal His will to those involved. So here with Joseph, he uses this dream and he, he says, Joseph, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Because the child that she will bear will be has been conceived by the Holy Spirit and will be the Son of God. He will be uh, the, the Messiah who has been promised for hundreds of years. And He's coming through this virgin birth, through the miracle that I will bring about, that I have brought about, and, and He will be born as the Holy Child. Emmanuel which means God with us. He said, you will see Him come forth and you are to give Him the name Jesus. That's a wonderful name. A wonderful name. What a wonderful name it is, the, the song says. And I love that song. Uh, it, it talks about Jesus. The name that we bear as His people. The name that is the center of this season in which we're going through where we can go forth and proclaim the mighty birth of God, the mighty work of God, even as He worked in this world to bring about salvation. But then the second thing I think is that's marvelous here and the response of Joseph is his obedience. <clears throat> Joseph listens to the revelation of God. And the Scripture tells us here that as the, the angel left and he got up and he took Mary as his wife and he no longer feared or had any other thoughts but to think that this was God's plan to bring about the birth of the Messiah. And he was obedient to name the child Jesus. So as we think about this story this morning, I want us to, to think about uh, the Lottie Moon Christmas offering and, and international missions and how God does work in a mighty way to bring people to His grace and mercy overseas. Uh, the Lord gave Beth and I the awesome privilege to serve Him in an international setting. It was because He called us. 
And just as the voice of God came to Joseph in that dream and, and Joseph was obedient to that, the call of God came to our lives and I, I was serving as a pastor in, in a local church and, and was, you know, comfortable. I loved the people. I loved the church that we were pastoring in, in Statesville and, and uh, didn't want to leave and was very very comfortable with this group of people. But God continued to speak and over the course of a couple of years finally convinced me that this was His desire. And He'd already called Beth a number of years prior to that to, to do missions. And so he called us forth and we went out with the blessings of our church at Monticello and, and uh, being appointed with, by the Foreign Mission Board. And, and God took us to that land called Benin. Little country over in West Africa beside of Nigeria, if you know where that is in the world. Uh, when we first heard of Benin, we, we didn't have any clue of where it was. We knew, we thought it was in West Africa, but we weren't sure. But we want, sort of wanted to go to West Africa because we, we knew French and some of the countries there were, uh, did speak French and, uh, uh, we had studied French in high school, and I did in college, and uh, so we had a, you know, a little bit of a start there. But God took us there. We were obedient to to His call, and you know, this morning I want to say to you, God's call is to each of us. We all have a calling from the Lord, no matter who we are this morning here in this place. If we know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we're called, the Scripture says, to be ministers of reconciliation. And we're called to share the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ with those around us. And we're called to, to be witnesses of Him. And what better time of the year to do so than the Christmas time when, when it's already built into our world around us. We celebrate Christmas here in America uh, probably in the greatest way uh, of anybody else in the world. It's a part of who we are. And I know there are many who are doing their, their best in these days to, to fight that and to do away with that, but we still have the opportunity. The reason for the season is, is Christmas. And Merry Christmas should come from our lips easily. And then that opens a door if we pursue it with people who may not know about the real meaning for Christmas. And we can tell them what a difference Christmas has made in our lives because the Lord Jesus came to be the Savior of the world. And He came into our hearts and lives because we were sinners and He died for us. And as we have received Him as our Lord and Savior, He's made a world of difference in our lives. And so, the calling has come to each of us 
in some way and your calling may be to to be here and, and and to be a witness here our calling was to go overseas and and be a witness there but folks i want to tell you this morning about the wonderful works of god that god did during those 20 years that we served over there uh, in a foreign country because it was god who did the work Beth and I were just simple servants. And it was the hand of God that worked in the lives of people that brought them to salvation. When we got to Benin uh, in the first years, the work was very slow. Uh, Benin had been a, a socialist government uh, uh, where things had been really tight for a number of years. And, and the early missionaries there had to be very careful and had, to, had really struggled uh, for a number of years in trying to reach out to people. And, and it was tough to, to win their confidence and, and, and get their acceptance of them and, and the, the faith that they were trying to share. And travel was often limited between one town to another in those early years of the socialist government. But those early missionaries who were there were faithful to plant the seeds and to continue to move forth uh, in, in sharing the good news of the gospel. And when we arrived there, there was only one constituted Baptist church in our area. And then there was another Bible study going on in one of the other towns. And so that's how we arrived there. And, and you see God worked in, in our lives and, and our faithfulness to share the good news and, and also to begin to take those that had been won to faith in Christ and to, to train them. We call that training now discipleship. And your church is, is trying to uh, do that here to disciple people so that we might be prepared to, to share the gospel message uh, and, and be uh, uh, the Christian in our walk that we need to be day in and day out. But you see, God allowed us to, to just share His Word and, and just to work with the people there and, and to train them. And, and, and thankfully, God was able to use us for in training those, early, those new believers and getting them and, uh, to the point where they could be strong leaders in their churches. And we continued this work over the period of 20 years and, and these people that we were training were faithful and, and we, we just basically did what we could to, to encourage them and train them to do the work of the church and then they went out and, and did the work and evangelize their own people. And, and of course, Beth and I, as we had opportunity, would seek to, to talk to people and try to win them to Christ. But it was in the, the process of being the church and bringing the church together and, and functioning as the church ought to be functioning in, in the world in sharing the good news that things continue to, to grow and, and we begin to see things happen. 
And the Spirit of God began to lead to this place and that place and, and another place. And we found that we began to plant Bible study groups. And we began to start churches. And we began, began to see uh, the people come together in the villages receiving Christ as their Lord and Savior and dedicating themselves to being God's people. And so we would find that, that we would start these churches in the villages. And, and again, not anything that Beth and I could do to win just one person or to bring salvation to one person. It was the Holy Spirit of God and His work that brought all of this about and allowed us to see the growth and the development of the church in Benin. And it was a marvelous time of growth and fruit as we continue to be faithful to stay there and to labor with our people in sharing the gospel all across our, our area. We used to, uh, in Benin, the area we lived in was small and somewhat backward. And, and in order to feed our family, we would have to travel for two hours to the major city in order to do grocery shopping most of the time and to get the things that we wanted to eat. So we would travel back and forth uh, every three or four weeks and uh, grocery shop for the month, basically, and uh, that kind of thing. And so very often we would be riding down, down the road. And as, as I rode that road time and time again, I would realize that many villages between those two cities had never heard the Gospel message or did not have an opportunity to fully understand the Gospel message. And they worshipped the pagan gods that they worshipped. And often as I would ride, I would pray, Lord, somehow let these people hear the Gospel. And we find today that those villages have a Gospel witness. This was after we left that we heard this message. And it came uh, uh, and we, we found and heard uh, the news that, that many of these villages are being reached with the Gospel. But this was God's work. And I'll never forget our last Sunday in Benin. We had gotten to the point where we thought the work among the phone people there that we had been working with for so long was pretty much done and we could turn things over to our African brothers and sisters. And so we would move on. We could move on to a different people group. And so we did that. And then in our last three years in Benin, 
uh, we worked with the, the uh, 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 Mahi people group. And then later, as we moved to the Ivory Coast, uh, we worked uh, with the Wardugo people group on a very limited basis as I was working in finance during those last two years. But the last time we went, it was after we had moved to the Ivory Coast, we made a trip back to Abomey where we had lived for so long. And we traveled up country and uh, spent the night uh, in a hotel there. And so we decided to go to our Boycon Church, which was our, our second constituted church uh, in Benin. And we wanted to visit with them for a short period of time. And we got there early and, and visited with some of the people and then started worship. Um, and then uh, had after several songs, we, we got up and we, we left and traveled over to Abomey which was about 10 miles away. And we walked into the Abomey Church. And across the years, we had helped some of our churches, our mission had helped some of the churches build their buildings. Uh, at least get the walls up and a roof on. And, and we would say, once we did that, now you've got to finish the building and, and do the rest of it on your own so that they could buy into the work and, and have ownership of it. And so we had, across those years, seen these churches come along, but also at times have struggles. Well, the Obama church had had, had some real struggles. And several years before this time, they had gotten to the point where they were a troubled church. Their eyes had gotten inward and their, their focus was on themselves and some leaders had come into place, positions, and, and they were more concerned about, you know, themselves and, and their power within the church and that kind of thing. So I tried to work with the church and it was to the point they were actually practicing anarchy and everybody was coming together during the business meetings and arguing and fighting and almost to the point where uh, we thought the government might intervene and shut them down. Uh, they had actually done that in one of the other churches of a, another denomination. And, uh, we certainly didn't want the doors of our church locked in that kind of testimony around town. So in one of the business meetings, I met with them and uh, I let them start their meeting and they, they sure enough began their arguing and bickering. And after I'd sat there for a while, I finally had taken all I could stand and I, I jumped up and I just cried out to him and I said, be quiet. And I did it in the phone language so they understood that I was pretty serious. And after a few moments of emotion 
and getting over that so that I could speak, I said, folks, what's going on in this place is not of God. This has got to change. And we began to, the, myself with the lay leaders of the church, we began to preach and, and teach the Word of God and talk about what church was and, and how we should function as a church and how the Holy Spirit of God uh, had to lead us and how Christ was the head of the church and, and He should lead the church and any decision should be made according to the leadership of the Holy Spirit and the church leading, our Christ leading the church in the way that it functions and, and to make that the focus and reaching out to the world around uh, as the focus. Well, the church had begun doing that and during this time they called their first pastor and the day that, that uh, they called their first pastor, there was not one word of dissension. And this pastor came, one of the men that I had trained for years. He became their pastor and he began to lead them. And that last day that we walked into that Abomey church, uh, let me preface it by saying, I shared with you how we helped them with the church building. Every time I would do a dedication service, I would say to the people, I've got a vision. My vision is that one day we're going to see this building filled. And that last day, we walked into that building and there was not a seat left in that building. <laughs> They, uh, they allowed, of course, they, some of them got up and allowed Beth and I to sit. But there was, all the benches were taken. They were lined up around the walls, inside. And then outside, there was a group of people looking in the windows. And God's work was awesome. And there were other buildings and other villages that had been filled up because God's Spirit was moving and His hand was at work in our country. To God be the glory. It was His work. And he continues to do his work. I, I heard uh, through uh, Facebook a couple of weeks ago from one of my pastors there. And he said, God continues his work. They are reaching their own people. They're, they're no longer missionaries or Southern Baptist missionaries in Benin. They are doing the work, they are sharing still with village after village after village. But that wasn't the whole story of the, the Abomey Church. 
We went to lunch with the pastor. And as we were sitting talking, we were talking about how, you know the building being full and, and how they were reaching people. And the pastor said to me, that's not all God's doing. He said, we have decided that we cannot build enough buildings to reach this city for Christ. And so we are going to go around to each neighborhood and we're going to start house churches. And they'd already begun that work. Churches meeting in homes. And they were continuing to reach out and starting these house churches. And folks, the, the, the background of that was Many years prior to that, we had tried to, to talk to them and tried to encourage them to start house churches. And they, they couldn't dream of that. They thought church had to be in a building. And this came from their background because the, you know, the Catholic church was, was there as well. And, and they had this as a a model. But they began to reach out and they were starting house churches. So we said, glory be to God. You know, our teaching that we had tried to share and, and, and encourage them with had still was still finding root in their hearts and minds and thinking. And so we went away from that experience filled with the great joy of the Lord in knowing what He had accomplished. And what I want to share with you this morning as we begin to come to a close, that was God's Word. And the way that He works in our world. By simply using us as His people in many different places. And thank God Southern Baptists send people around the world. And His work is accomplished through them in many places. But His work is accomplished through you as well in our churches here. Because I praise God that we had Southern Baptists praying for us. Day in and day out. They were praying for us. And it made a difference. And that prayer enabled us to be able to go through the tough times and, and stay on the mission field and, and continue to be faithful to reach out even when days were difficult. And there were times during those first years that we were there that we would often wonder, Lord, uh, when is it going to happen? 
Is it ever going to happen? Are we going to see the fruits of our labor? Praise Him, we, we have seen those fruits. He is blessed. But I want to urge you this morning, continue to pray for the missionaries everywhere around the world, and especially those who are working with Muslim people groups. And there are some you know, other areas like uh, in India and, and many places like that. They're very close to the Gospel. But God's Spirit can open doors. And even as He opened the door of Joseph's heart in this beginning, in preparing the way for the birth of the Messiah, He opens doors through our prayers. And then this morning, through our giving to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, through our giving each and every Sunday, through Baptist churches, through the cooperative program. Because a part of what you give through your tithes and offerings goes to the cooperative program, through the cooperative program, that reaches out to the world through our missionaries, supports them, and enables them to go to these places. Because without your help, without your support, Beth and I would never have been able to leave this country. But you allowed us to go and be Christ's representatives to other parts of the world. But this time of Christmas, Lottie Moon, she dedicated her life to the Chinese people. At the end of her life, she would give her personal food to others so that they might have something to eat. And when she finally became so ill that she could not function, she agreed to come back to the United States and it was on her journey back. The ship docked in Japan that she passed from this life into the presence of God. She gave her life. And because of that example, her name was placed on this offering that she had suggested to Southern Baptist. And now for many years, we have been faithfully giving. So I ask you this morning to really truly consider giving and giving in a sacrificial way. Several years ago, and for several years I've been sharing that with the people I've had opportunity, I decided... I was going to be sure that my greatest gift to anyone on, during the Christmas season was going to be to my Lord Jesus Christ through the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. 
So if you don't already do that, I, I want to give you that challenge this morning. Make your greatest gift to Him. Because this is the season we celebrate His birth. And let it be through the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. And I'm grateful to stand before you this morning and, and just to share that uh, here in North Carolina, uh, we are the, the state in our Southern Baptist Convention that gave the most to Lottie Moon Christmas offering last year. And I hope we can achieve that uh, position again in this Christmas season. And that as a whole, we as Southern Baptists can increase the amount of our giving again this year to record levels so that we can send more missionaries who can share the Gospel message. It's essential in this day in which we live. Because we may not have long before the Lord comes again that we have the privilege of sharing Him. But let me close with this. I want to ask you to dedicate your life to the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. Whatever His call is on your life. To be a witness. To give. To pray. Whatever He's calling you to. And perhaps all of those things. Respond and be obedient. Be obedient just like Joseph was in this passage that we have read today. Because obedience is absolutely necessary so that God can use us to do His work and to build His kingdom and to lift Him up, to glorify Him in all that we are. God bless you this morning.